The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So our Lord says to the crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. And when we hear these words, those of us, you know, we've been grown up Catholic. We've always learned that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. We, we hear those words and we're like, well, yes, of course, because Sister Mary Agnes taught me that in second grade and I made my first communion and, you know, that all makes sense to me. But for those who are hearing it for the first time, their response is also very logical if they were hearing this for the first time and they say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What's he talking about? That doesn't make sense to me. And he goes on, and he says over and over and over again, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have life in you. Whoever does eat my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him on the last day. My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. So his response to their question is just to emphatically repeat over and over and over again, this is what I'm telling you is true. And it must have put the crowds into this kind of cognitive dissonance where they're asking the question, 
how can this be true at the same t- how can these two things be true at the same time like he's telling me this and i believe that he tells the truth because he's done all these miracles and he seems to be a trustworthy person but what he's telling me is just kind of unbelievable and they end up in this tension this kind of confusion and it's not unlike our own lives We all find ourselves kind of in this tension. If we're really trying to be in union with our Lord, we're going to find ourselves in that kind of tension. You know, when I was in graduate school studying marriage and family, coming from a family that was not the ideal family, I remember sitting in class on a couple of particular occasions. And I'm sitting in class and I'm listening to, um, it was a class on fatherhood. And everybody was sort of sharing the qualities of fatherhood. And it was very interesting because you have people from all over the world. And so the South Americans, they, they all would like say tenderness was a quality of fatherhood. And I'm thinking in my head, that is not even on my radar. You know, a father who's willing to sacrifice himself for his family. That wasn't really in my experience so much either. You know, in my head, like, my father is the guy that I try to cover for because, like, he's kind of not really around a lot for my younger siblings, and I have to try to, like, do his job for him. That was my experience when I was growing up. And it put me into this kind of cognitive dissonance. Because what they were saying, like, those are true things, but it didn't fit my experience of the conversation. You know, I wrote my thesis on the interpretation of human suffering and studying these different authors on human suffering and the way that they were describing things. I was like, yes, that's true. I, I can recognize that that's true, but it doesn't, like, match what's in my heart right now. And it put us into this tension. And when we're in that kind of attention, we sort of have some choices. We can either deny what's in our brain and just follow our heart. Or we can deny what's in our heart and just follow our brain. But what our Lord really wants for us is to like get our heart and our head to match up. And in order to do so, we have to sort of tolerate the tension and really work through it. And that takes time to really work through it. And it's hard to really work through it. Another example from my own life is my Marian devotion, which for a long time was a Marian devotion where, like, when I was a young child, that was very easy for me to say, like, my mother died, and so now Mary's my mother, and I pray the rosary. And then, around the time I was in the seminary, I had a lot of conflict with my natural, with my stepmother. And it was hard for me to go and, like, have an eternal kind of relationship with the Blessed Mother. And especially in the last three years, I have all these religious sisters who are very dear friends to me, and 
my seven sisters prayer group and they're always like praying for me and when they're praying for me they just have these images of the blessed mother just like showering me with love and they all tell me about it and i'm just like okay there's something true there i know that this is true but my heart's not comfortable and there was one day i was just sitting in chapel and i was like okay we're gonna work through this and i'm just focused on the Marian statue and, and just sitting in the uncomfortableness of it. And then the scripture verse that came to mind were the words spoken to St. Joseph, don't be afraid of taking Mary as your spouse. And it kind of broke through the tension. You know, right now we're living in a time where the entire church in America is in this cognitive dissonance because all the news reports about the sins of priests and bishops and bishops all over the country are writing articles and letters about this. And and there's this cognitive dissonance, like how can it be that somebody we know intellectually stands in the person of Christ also is a sinner at the same time? A lot of people are tempted to react to that by running away. Some people are tempted to react to that by being in denial. But our Lord's trying to break through and bring renewal. And the place we need to be in our own hearts is just seeking our Lord and sticking with him and trusting in him that he's going to make all things new in our own time, just as he did 2,000 years ago. It's, It's what our Lord wants to do. And when we look at the Gospels, there are certain people, surely they were all in this place of like, I'm not really sure what he means. And then there are those who stuck with him. And the ones who stuck with him, they later on were invited to see him transfigured on Mount Tabor. And maybe they thought that was like the end. And then they went back down and then they saw him suffer and die. Before he suffered and died, He took bread and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Oh, now everything that he said back then makes sense. And there's kind of a unity between what's in my head and what's in my heart. But it took them time of sitting in that place. And so wherever that dissonance is in our own lives, in our own hearts, The place we need to be is just like allowing ourselves to sit in the difficulty of the tension with our Lord, expressing to our Lord everything that's going on inside of us, and allow Him to work to break through, to bring unity within ourselves, you know, unity within our parish, our diocese, the church in the United States, the church in the world. To be patient enough with ourselves and with our Lord to stick with him so that we can see how he makes all things new. Our Lord is trustworthy. And so let us pray as we approach him in the Blessed Sacrament today. 
that we truly have the grace of surrendering our hearts to him and trusting that he is the one that brings healing and unity and peace to the world. And let us pray for the gift of fortitude so that whatever cognitive dissonance, whatever tension that we have in our own hearts, in our own lives, we have the fortitude to stick in that, to stay in that place with him. Long enough to allow him to break through, to reveal himself to us in a new way, to make all things new.